Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guests are Maria Lopez de Leon, who is the Executive Director and a member of the Board of Directors of the National Association of Latino Arts and Culture, NALAC, and Laura Varela, a San Antonio-based documentary filmmaker and media artist. Today we will discuss Latinos in the Arts, as well as NALAC and Laura's work. Maria has been with NALAC for over nine years, and she has served as Executive Director for six years. She has been involved in all aspects of development and implementation of the organization's programs and strategic planning. Under her leadership, NALAC launched the NALAC Fund for the Arts, a grant program for Latino artists and organizations. She completed production of a documentary series on Latino art and culture for the public broadcasting system, directed the convening of three national arts and cultural conferences, and led the continued development of the annual Leadership Institute. She has also launched efforts to purchase a historic site to serve as NALAC's national offices. Maria has served as a panelist for the National Endowment of the Arts, City of San Antonio Office of Cultural Affairs, Houston Arts Alliance, City of El Paso Museum and Cultural Affairs, and the Hispanic Heritage Arts and Entertainment Award. She was selected to participate in the Wallace Foundation Leadership in Excellence and Arts Participation Program in 2005 and completed a peer mentorship program at the Mexican Fine Arts Center Museum. She has completed training in technology of participation group facilitation methods. In 2005, Maria received the Community and Culture Award from San Antonio Cultural Arts, and in 2006, she was recognized with an award from Southwest Workers Network for her work and support of community in the struggle to achieve justice. Laura is a San Antonio-based media artist, activist, and educator originally from the U.S.-Mexico border town of El Paso in Texas. Her projects are community-based and focused on issues of social justice and cultural preservation. She is a recipient of the Humanities Texas Media Arts Grant for her current project, As Long As I Remember, American Veteranos, which examines the legacy of the Vietnam War in the Chicano community from the point of view of artists. This project was also selected for funding by Latino Public Broadcasting, part of the CPB Minority Consortia, and is in post-production with an intended PBS broadcast in 2008. Laura is developing Raul Salinas and the Poetry of Liberation, a feature documentary about the life and times of Chicano poet and activist Raul R. Salinas. In San Antonio, her installation work has been exhibited by the Blue Star Art Space, the Esperanza Peace and Justice Center, Galista Gallery, and the UTSA Downtown Art Gallery. She is an alumna of the 2006 CPB PBS Producers Academy, the 2006 NALAC Leadership Institute, and the 2003 NALIP UCLA Latino Producers Academy. Laura is developing Raul R. Salinas and the Poetry of Liberation, a feature documentary about the life and times of Chicano poet and activist Raul R. Salinas. This program is also funded by Humanities Texas, the Independent Television Service, and the NALAC Fund for the Arts. 
Artist residencies include Swarthmore College in Pennsylvania, Art for Change in New York, and she just returned from a German residency at Mönchengladbach. When we think about entertainment and Latinos, I think for a lot of people, what they think of are the television stations and the blockbuster movies. But there's a lot, there's a lot more beyond that that is available to Latino audiences who have a particular interest in culture or Latino-themed topics. Maria, this, this is sort of your area within the arts. Would you tell us a little bit about what is available at the national level for Latino artists and for the audience? What kinds of choices would you say the Latino audiences have when it comes to these topics? Well, aside, aside from, from, of course, the entertainment aspect of it, there is the entire uh, Latino nonprofit sector across the United States. There are hundreds of uh, community-based arts and cultural organizations in just about every community in the country, and they are providing the programming um, for communities they are providing, they are the ones that are showcasing the work of the artists, the Latino artists across the country. Uh, there are many presenting organizations uh, where artists uh, or ensembles that have uh, touring pieces can, can present this to diverse communities. So there is, there is that whole nonprofit that really is the foundation of the Latino entertainment industry in this country. It is the first place where families go to to learn, uh, whether it's about mariachi or folklorico or plena y bomba, um, whatever, uh, whatever, whatever artistic expression there is in this country. I think it is all founded and developed here at the nonprofit level. And when we talk about entertainment and the arts, we're talking about a broad spectrum of things, everything from music to theater, to film production, to artistic works, right? Exactly, yes. It is all of that. With every artistic discipline is represented in the nonprofit field here in this country by Latino artists. You're, you're out there interacting with artists and being privy to audiences' responses in different parts of the country. How much interest do you see on the part of Latinos and non-Latinos in these topics? There, there is a great deal of interest. I think that uh, um, in, in, the, in a lot of the mainstream arts organizations presently, the major museums and operas and so forth, there, there has been a decline in audiences. And the exact opposite is true for uh, Latino arts and cultural organizations here in this country. You know, they have seen, uh, uh, if not an increase in audiences, they have been able to maintain that. And it is not only uh, Latinos coming to see these productions, but it is uh, people from diverse backgrounds. Uh, there is a great interest um, in Latino creative expression, and, and I think our, our, uh, the organizations, whether they be multicultural arts organizations or they be uh, discipline-specific, uh, are really are really uh, seeing a great increase and a great interest in their audiences. It's interesting that you mention an increase 
in audience and also in the diverse audiences that have an interest in these themes because we're hearing from different sources in different parts of the country that audiences are interested in Latino entertainment or entertainment from Latino artists even though they may not speak the language for example I remember uh, Diana Mera when she came to the show and she said she sings in Spanish but she has many fans who don't speak Spanish and they just enjoy her music and Mabel Valivieso who's a film director says that many of the people who have an interest in her film Soledad is Gone Forever are from different walks of life, from different parts of the country and ethnic groups, and even beyond internationally. Christina Benitez, in her book, Latinization, talks about the influence of Latino culture on the mainstream and how slowly we're starting to see signs of the influence that Latino culture and art is having in the United States. How much of that are you seeing, Maria and Laura, and where do you think that is going to lead us? Do you think this is going to continue? Um, okay, this is Laura. Um, I, I, but I not only see it in the United States, I just came back from Germany, and, and it's, I think it's all over the world, and I think, I think the United States is finally catching up to the rest of the world in regards to appreciating uh, work from uh, Latin America, Mexico, and also in their very own backyard. Um, the Southwest used to be part of Mexico, and the culture is still thriving. For many years it was, um, I mean, I don't want to say suppressed, but it was it was not appreciated. And I think at this point the United States is recognizing the rich cultural heritage of Latinos and, um, and, and appreciating it and consuming it more. Uh, and like I said, not only in the United States, it's all over the world. I just came back from um, Germany, and they're very interested in Day of the Dead. And I actually went for a residency on Day of the Dead where the whole university and high schools had components where they were studying um, uh, mourning culture, death and dying in different cultures. And the main component was in Mexico and Day of the Dead. And so we went to go show some films and do Alzares, um, but it, uh, taking it to a different level of contemporary art. And uh, the way most of the Chicanos here have, um, it, the, the tradition has changed a little bit and, um, and now making more political statements. Or, uh, you know, it was just, it was just, it, it evolved. So. so that's what we want to go do over there. And I think, I think this, this will continue and it will continue to grow uh, as, as our, our numbers grow specifically here in the United States, the number of Latinos here in this country. I think there is uh, no way that we cannot influence um, uh, the, the, the cultural expressions here in this country. And I think that uh, Latinos are just part of this and a very large part of what is uh, the, the cultural fabric of this nation. You know, we are, we are a very uh, important part of it and are influencing a great deal of that. And something that Laura said about uh, the the expressions of the artistic expressions of the artists are many times traditional, contemporary, um, and and very much uh, for the most part uh, based on on uh, social issues and identifying, uh, bringing to to the forefront issues that affect Latino communities. 
whether it be through a theatrical production or a film or music or whatever form it may take. Do you think that the current anti-immigration sentiment is dampening that spirit, or is that not playing any role? I Well, I think as an artist, it makes me even want to um, affirm the fact that my family has been here forever. We never crossed the border. Like that saying goes, the border crossed us. And that's the assumption, too, for uh, many people that all Latinos are immigrants. And I think we just need to look at the names of many of the cities and states in the Southwest who recognize um, that we've been here a very, very long time. We actually, um, people have been migrating back and forth for hundreds and thousands of years, and that we are part of the indigenous people of the Americas, and we have every right to be here. And uh, the United States also has a big role in um, the economies in Latin America, and the fact that many of the economies are faltering, and that is the need what, um, that is what makes people need to immigrate to the United States to be able to see their families. Many people would not want to be without their families, but they have to survive when they come to the United States. And Latino artists uh, here in the United States are not shying away from that topic at all. Uh, they have, for the last several years, been addressing this uh, in their work. And uh, I think it is the artist that many times can express through his work uh, the issue of immigration in a way that no one else can. So immigration is, is, is something that is, is um, something that is addressed by artists working in all disciplines and all genres, whether it's through music or painting. And I think uh, they this this work has has uh, brought to the forefront a lot of the, the sentiments of. of what Latinos feel in this country about immigration. They've been able to do this through the art. Are there themes that are more prevalent for Latino artists than for mainstream artists? Are Latino artists focusing on Latino themes, or or is there a broad spectrum? What, what are you seeing? I see, I see a broad spectrum. There is a broad spectrum. A, a broad spectrum of that, you know, for for the most part, uh, uh, the Latino artists, I think the majority of them are focusing on uh, on a Latino theme. But for the most part, you know, there there are others, you know, that, that don't. So for the most part, I think it's just quite diverse. Um, yeah, I ag I agree with what Maria is saying. I think it's a very broad spectrum. But I think that that also a, a lot of Latinos that that whose work is socially conscious. Um, they, their work does focus on issues that are, are affecting the communities today, or, um, or also histories, histories that have been forgotten. And I think a lot of my work has, has to do with that. It's trying to, um, there's so many stories that have not been covered, and so many histories that have not been written down or told. And I feel that I, I have such a wealth of, um, of stories that I can just pull from whenever with my film projects or with my uh, multimedia projects that I will never run out of topics and stories and issues. And the, the, when you think about Latino arts and cultural organizations here in the United States, the nonprofit uh, organizations, you, uh, some of them are 25 and 30 years old, uh, and there's always new organizations uh, springing up, but 
back when these organizations were founded, uh, they were really founded around uh, the social justice movement around the here in the United States. So, uh, and by the most for the most part, most of them are, are, are still addressing those issues in the in the works that they present and in the artists that they present at their spaces. Because uh, you know these are really uh, the only spaces uh, where. Uh, children and families can catch that those kind of, of Latino performances, exhibits, cultural events, uh, it really enrich their lives. If it wasn't for these organizations uh, presenting this type of programming, um, there would be nowhere else. It, there is really nowhere else where that's being presented. I think uh, some of the mainstream organizations, the larger museums, uh, uh, some organizations are interested in the Day of the Dead, and they do uh, uh, present some of that, you know, but they need the Latino artists to explain that and to interpret that, and uh, really the organizations, the community-based Latino organizations are that um, first voice representation of the artistic expression of the tradition. We talk about a Latino market, and yet we're encompassing a huge market of people of 45 million or more, depending on what statistics we use that is very diverse with different countries of origin, different traditions, different political beliefs and religion, et cetera, et cetera. How, how can we even begin to understand the Latino cultural movement and its impact in the United States? Is there a way to divide it, and is that by country of origin of the artist or the theme? Is it by medium? How do you even tackle that? Well, I, I think that the, the way we do that is we don't, uh, I think something that you mentioned about dividing is that we, it's, not, it's not an issue of dividing, it's an issue of bringing together, that we bring together uh, one national vision and that we recognize that there is a lot of diversity in that. Uh, the reason that NALAS exists and continues to be successful is that we do recognize that difference, and we bring people together to learn from each other, to learn about each other's cultures, to exchange, and to collaborate. That has been very successful through NALAS. Uh, we represent a range of organizations, not only Mexican-American, but Cuban and Puerto Rican, and, uh, Central American organizations and artists, and we, we convene them at a national conference, and it is here that we get to see each other's work, that we... Uh, uh, get to network and interact, and I think not dividing but bringing together is what uh, has really has really made this successful, so that we recognize there is, there is a lot of diversity, but we do want to learn about each other and uh, collaborate, and I think the, the conference, the national conference and other events have been very successful in that, you know, there was... Uh, groups of Puerto Ricans and maybe Pennsylvania of young people that didn't know about Cesar Chavez, and there was a photographer from California who didn't know about Plena y Bomba, and now they're uh, exchanging and collaborating and presenting each other's work. I think part of the, the challenge for our audience who are marketers and communicators and business owners and public and private sector decision makers is how to go about reaching out to the Latino market in a way that's manageable because 45 million people 
some of which speak English, some of which speak Spanish, some of which speak both. It's scattered all across the country in a number of larger and smaller markets. is a very daunting market to pursue. And so people are trying to find a way to begin or for the second phase, etc. And, of course, although there is a unifying approach, as you just shared with us, certain themes are going to resonate more in parts of the country or among a younger audience, etc. And so this is what I was driving at when I said, well, how do you divide it? Not necessarily to separate the different groups, but because it's very difficult to do everything at once. Are there themes that resonate more in certain areas in your experience and with certain groups, say with older or younger audiences? Are they language dependent or do they relate to a particular medium? Film, of course, is very popular as is television. Um, but then again, so is theater. We've had theaters in the United States that have been around for decades. Well, I, I think definitely there there are uh, there is a way to divide that. I think I think that you are right that there are, uh, for example, the older audience may be interested more in the traditional expressions, um, and and the younger artists more in, in uh, new works, emerging works, and so forth. But um, I think for for the the what you talked about the Latino market, the the marketers out there. I think that uh, support of the of the core work of the organization and the artists, you know, because these organizations uh, uh, know who who will respond to what programs. I'm, I'm not really sure. Uh, I think I think, for example, if you support a specific group or an ensemble ensemble organization, you know, just to trust that uh, the work that they're going to present is is I think. Uh, they will they will be able to define who the specific audience will be. I'm not really sure I I'm expressing this correctly or right for you. You know the way uh, the way you'd like to hear it, but I, I think that uh, there's just there's just so much out there. There's so many organizations, so many Latino organizations, so many Latino artists that uh, there is really a uh, a large array uh, for marketers to and, and I think that uh, in order for, for uh, marketers and corporations to really uh, connect with, with Latino communities, I think that uh, they really have to take an interest, <coughs> a genuine interest in the community and the issues that face them uh, instead of just uh, looking for an opportunity to come, you know, put a banner and attach their name to an event. If they really need to stop and think about uh, what is what is affecting this community, what is uh, and taking a genuine interest in the issues of the community, uh, looking at Latinos as not just uh, a head in, in in a large you know as part of a large audience, but really connecting with them, really going out there and connecting with the community and taking an interest in the community, be in the arts, whether it be in education, whether it be in other uh, social issues, uh, I think that is the key, to make a real genuine connection. 
And of course, I imagine that one of the challenges to doing that for the artist, for the nonprofit, and even for potential sponsors is the, the funding. I know that recently that NALAC gave, was it $143,000 in grant funding? This year, yes. Would you tell us a little bit about NALAC and the, the funding and what you're trying to accomplish? Well, the, the National Association of Latino Arts and Culture, NALAC, is, is the only uh, Latino service organization or intermediary, intermediary organization, the only national one in this country. And our focus is to uh, preserve and develop and promote the cultural and artistic expressions of the diverse Latino populations here in this country. And uh, we have, we have, we do this in various ways. Uh, we have uh, a leadership development, uh, a next generation training through our uh, annual leadership institute. We have our biannual national conference that is the only national conference, or the only venue that brings together uh, the Latino arts and cultural field in this country. We have regional arts training workshops across the United States, and uh, we bring a lot of technical assistance and, and do our really our grassroots organizing at these regional workshops. And um, we've had mentorship programs. We have uh, we produced uh, in 2004 with Hector Galan, Visiones um, Latino Art and Culture, and we just finished completed last year the educational curriculum for that, and we have distributed that educational curriculum on Visiones to 30,000 schools across the United States. And the NALA Fund for the Arts was something that uh, we had been dreaming about for, for many years. And finally, uh, three years ago, in 2005, with the support of the, the, the Ford Foundation, uh, we were able to make that dream a reality. Uh, the, what we wanted to do is, is uh, create a fund specifically for Latino artists and for Latino organizations. And we convened a summit in 2005 and brought together Latino artists and organizations, and they helped us uh, develop the vision of the Knowledge Fund for the Arts and helped us, uh, gave us insight that would help us develop guidelines. And uh, we have funded uh, organizations, small and mid-sized organizations, and Latino artists for the last three years. Uh, this year, we awarded $143,000 to 50 artists and organizations. We have awarded over the last three years uh, over $379,000, a little over that, to uh, we've made 128 grants. And uh, we felt that it was important that we have our own Latino fund, and we have uh, brought on uh, uh, different uh, foundations and corporations that are now supporting this and supporting this effort. And our next step is to create uh, an individual donor program for this and create an endowment uh, of a million dollars for the for the, the Knowledge Fund for the Arts. And we want to continue supporting the work of Latino artists and organizations, uh, and the organizations that present them across the United States. And we provide uh, grants uh, to artists and organizations working in all artistic di disciplines. And it can be project-specific for a fellowship for an artist, or it can be for general operating support um, for organizations. Uh, the largest grants that we've given uh, have been up to $10,000, and the smaller grants are, have been for uh, $1,500. And our goal every year, the first year we awarded $100,000, uh, second year $136,000, this year $143,000. Uh, next year will be higher. You know, our, our goal is to eventually be able 
to provide much larger grants to really empower the artists and the organizations uh, in, in communities across the country. And NALAC, of course, is a nonprofit organization. We are a nonprofit organization, and, and uh, we were very proud to, to also support uh, uh, project uh, this year uh, through the NALAC Center for the Arts. And what is your source of funding, Maria? We, we receive funding from many major foundations, the Ford Foundation, the J.P. Morgan Chase Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, uh, the Texas Commission on the Arts, the National Endowment for the Arts, the City of San Antonio, um, the Doris Duke Charitable Foundation. We have uh, many foundations, mainly foundations support. What are your selection criteria when you set out to provide grant funding for the artists, like this year that you have 50, how do you decide which ones get your funding? What is your base criteria in order to narrow the field? Well, uh, the the staff and the board don't don't make that decision. We receive the applications here. We we prepare the applications and we bring together a national panel. And the national panels are composed of, of Latino artists and Latino arts leaders uh, from across the United States, uh, working in different disciplines, who have uh, uh, very uh, uh, significant involvement with the Latino arts field and knowledge of the work of the Latino arts field. Um, and these panels are, are brought together to review the applications. And basically, uh, the applications are, are, are uh, ranked and scored based on artistic merit, on the funding impact of the project, and, and uh, the capacity of the artist or the organization to do that. And uh, as when we look at, at the funding impact, um, the panels do look at uh, the impact it has uh, to deepen the knowledge and the understanding of uh, Latino arts here in this country and how it, it addresses uh, community and how the community participates in that. And the, the panels um, then make a recommendation to the board, and, and uh, we really um, then decide uh, the amount of the awards and, and uh, approve the awards. It is really uh, a peer, a panel of peers that reviews the application. So, um, for example, in the case of Lauda, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a panel that looked at her and, and um, uh, looked at her application and, and looked at, at the funding impact, the capacity, the, the artistic merit of it, and felt that it was a, a worthy application. And, and so we received many, many worthy applications. You know, we just don't have uh, the money to fund all of them. And our, our intent is to grow the knowledge fund for the arts and to continue uh, supporting with more meaningful grants, larger grants, and more grants as well for more artists and more organizations. So Laura, for our listeners who don't know this, is one of the recipients of this year's 50 grants. Yes, she is. And what project were the was the grant funding earmarked for? Um, the, the project is um, in development, documentary for PBS. It's called Raul Salinas and the Poetry of Liberation. And it's on the life and times and work of uh, one of the foremost uh, Chicano poets and activists. 
how did you decide on the topic? Laura, would you share that with us? And is, is the funding a big challenge? Is it something that is an impediment? Okay. Remind me of the second part. Um, the, first, the first part is um, Raul Salinas is an icon in the Chicano arts community in regards to his poetry and the work that he does in the community. He is um, the founder of Resistencia Books in Austin and Red Salmon Arts. Um, he's, his poem, Un um, Trip Through the Mind Jail, is one of the most anthologized uh, poems in Chicano literature and, and letters. And he, I've known him, I went to school at the University of Texas, and I've known him from my time in Austin. Um, I, I and stayed in touch whenever I would see him. I was at the Leadership Institute that NALAC has every year uh, in 2006, and he went and read, uh, really just to inspire the new group of um, Latino arts leaders and artists. And we saw each other, said hello, and, you know, hadn't seen each other in a while. And uh, he tells me, I want to talk to you about some projects. So later um, that summer, I went down to his bookstore, and, and he told me that, that he would very much like to tell his story through film and, and if I would be willing to collaborate with him uh, and, and many academics who have written on him and his life's work on a project, uh, for, and I, of course, immediately said, yes, I just came from the PBS Producers Academy. Um, I feel like I'm finally legit in their eyes, and, and I would love to. And so we've been developing it. I, I am finishing one, more, uh, one film right now, the one on um, the legacy of the Vietnam War, but I am developing this new documentary. And once this film, uh, the Veteranos film, is done, which should be completed in a couple of uh, months, I will be able to dive full-time into the Raul Salinas is funding an issue as a Latino artist, as an artist in general, is it difficult for you to develop your projects because of funding, or is that something that's readily available? Um, well, I, I think at first, in one's career, it's always a challenge. I think people don't recognize that you need training and skills in, in, in the nonprofit or funding world, or um, many people don't recognize that there are ways and methods to get to, to get funding for your projects. But I think um, uh, many of us don't know how. And I think that's what I'm grateful to many of the producers' academies and, and the leadership institute that NALAC has because they do pretty much guide you through this, this, this maze and just show you what are your options and what are normal practices or best practices in uh, nonprofit uh, fundraising or whatnot. Uh, PBS and uh, NALIP, uh, the National Association of Latino Independent Producers, they have producers academies as well, um, to show you how to go about how to write a good proposal, where to look for funding, uh, what, you, you know, what, what kinds of projects um, are funded. Because, for example, like PBS won't just broadcast anything as well or anything that's funded by, um, you know, they have certain funding guidelines as well for their broadcast projects. So it's, it's, it's information that you need to have and and I think many, um, like, for example, I went to film school, but they taught us how to make films, but they didn't necessarily teach us the business of filmmaking or how to make a living as an artist or as an independent filmmaker. And I think those are many things and skills that, that young filmmakers need to recognize and know that they're not always equipped with all the knowledge. So. And, and it, is, it is a challenge. But uh, once, once, you recognize, once you learn how to, to you know, raise funds, and, and, and you know that your, your projects are of 
the quality that is needed to, to be able to be funded, and it's, it's not that difficult anymore. And, and I'm, going to, I'm going to add something a little bit different to what Lauda said, and, and yes, there is the training uh, out there that is very, very vital, which is why for the last seven years we've convened the NAWAT Leadership Institute where we um, uh, impart these skills to the next generation of Latino arts leaders. We don't want them to have to struggle um, like many older artists have, uh, learning by trial and error. But uh, funding funding does continue to be the number one issue, uh, which is why we developed the Knowledge Fund for the Arts. We kept hearing from the field as we were out there in our regional workshops, connecting with them, that funding continues to be the number one issue. And just to give you a little bit of perspective on it, uh, the National Endowment for the Arts, uh, they provide awards every year, and less than 5% of the awards from the NEA uh, go to Latino arts organizations or Latino artists. Um, and less than 1% of corporate funding in the United States goes to uh, organizations of color, arts and organizations of color. So that, that says a lot. Why is that, Maria? Well, I think that uh, the the work of uh, of our communities has has just not been appreciated uh, to the full extent by by corporations, by foundations, by the federal and, and by the governmental uh, funding agencies. And I think part of that is is uh, that we need to do more advocacy work. I think the solution to that is there needs to be more advocacy. We really need to be out there uh, promoting our work, making sure that on the, the panels that do review uh, the work, whether it's on a federal panel, regional, or local, that there are Latinos on those panels who can understand um, the, 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 the aesthetic of the work and, and the value of the work. And I think it's something that that we need to keep pushing for, and that was the primary reason that we developed the Knowledge Fund for the Arts, that we wanted to have our own fund that would support Latino artists specifically. Right, and I, I've been on, uh, I know uh, Maria's been on national and regional and state panels. I've just been on state and local panels, and, uh, well, no, actually, I've been on a, local, uh, on a national, but I'm, I'm usually the only person of color on those mm -hmm. panels. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And the only person that knows the, the, the work of the artist or of, of the organization. And I even have to, you know, advocate a lot of the time for African Americans, for Asians, for gay people. For just, you know, it's, I'm the only person there who, who knows and, and appreciates or recognizes more of the work and can speak to its value. Now, I see a lot of very large, well-funded companies out there who are spending perhaps not a large chunk of their marketing budget, but certainly a significant money in terms of individual projects on, for example, soda campaigns with an arts or entertainment angle, um, or beer or alcohol or product-related campaigns that have an entertainment theme. Are these monies not reaching the kinds of projects and the kinds of artists that you're talking about, and if so, where is the divide? Why is none of that funding reaching you, for, at least from the corporate level? It's, it, it is not reaching. You 
but it may be, uh, like you say, on the entertainment industry side of it, 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 it is there, but it is not reaching uh, the, the nonprofit field and the artists. And I really, I really uh, don't know why. I think that uh, because perhaps the corporations see, you know, just a lot of visibility with the entertainment uh, industry, but uh, um, they fail to to see the value of, of the real community, uh, of the value of, of the community, the millions of people in communities across the country. And also, as an artist, I, I do know that it's difficult to these days to get money as an independent artist. It's, um, a lot of uh, arts funding goes to organizations, mm-hmm. but it doesn't go to uh, independent artists. And I think NALAC is one of the few um, arts grants that gives money actually to individuals for their projects. Among our listeners, we have professionals who interact with those companies, who make recommendations to those companies when it comes to projects and celebrities and spokespeople that they can work with on individual or national campaigns, what would you say to them? Would you Do you feel that your projects at NALAC and Laura, the work that you do, do you think that they lend themselves to commercial funding? Would you be willing to wear in part that commercial hat to be sponsored by um, whatever those aspects are? Is there room in the kind of work that you are involved with for commercial sponsorship? Speaking, speaking on, the, on, on the part of NALAC and, and the field, I think that there is, there is that interest um, and, and there is room for that. Um, and I, I would say to the many individuals that deal with, with corporations, you know, to, to really just uh, uh, pick up the phone and, be, and contact the organizations or contact knowledge or contact the artists because there is a great interest in that. And uh, I think uh, uh, as far as, as knowledge is concerned, you were putting together a national advisory uh, panel, a uh, national advisory committee, I'm sorry, to... Uh, to be able to reach out to individuals that will be able to support the Knowledge Fund for the Arts. You know, so whether you're an individual or you can uh, get a donation or uh, from a corporation um, to support the work of Latino artists. And for, through the NFA, you know, we have a very small overhead of the program. Most everything that we get, you know, goes directly out to the artist, to the artists or to the organizations, goes out to the community, um, and and. If you really look at what uh, a grant, for example, like the grant that Lauda got, how, how many communities, how many uh, people is this going to impact? Um, I think that if they start looking at things in this way, um, they, they, they may have more of an interest uh, in working with our constituents. And I'm not, I'm not sure. I, of course, um, uh, in regards to where I get funding from, my, my funding is, um, for PBS projects. They're, they're very specific about their funding guidelines, but I know that corporations can underwrite um, these programs or they can donate to PBS or to, the, or to NALAC or to foundations that give money to artists. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, so, yes, of course. Or to nonprofits that sponsor these artists or, or screen their films or show the artwork. In stage plays, it's, it's um, 
part of the issue, just watching from the outside in, is that some of these organizations don't know where you are or what projects are available. In terms, for example, Nalak, Maria, how do you spread the word about your organization and the programs that are available for artists themselves? Since we have a marketing and communications-oriented audience, I think that, that that's going to be of interest. Likewise, for you, Laura, in a moment, if we could talk about how you spread the word about your projects to your target audience. On, on the part of NALA, uh, we've been around for uh, 19 years, almost 19 years. We were founded in 1989. Uh, in 2009, we'll be celebrating our 20th anniversary. Uh, but we have, of course, uh, uh, a website. Um, we have a national database of almost 4,000 Latino artists and organizations here in the United States. And I know that we don't have everybody on there, but uh, we communicate constantly with the field uh, through uh, our electronic newsletter that's put out monthly is Iboletin. We also have a national arts magazine, El Aviso. Um, and we just do a lot of uh, uh, mailings to, to our constituency. We do a lot of email blasts, uh, communicate a lot through, um, uh, through the, electronically, through the Internet, uh, with our field uh, to let them know of opportunities that are available, uh, of NALAX programs funding opportunities, resources, and so forth. We are constantly in communication with the field, and we travel around the country. You know, we, we convene our regional arts training workshops, and we just take as much information to the field as we can, whether they're in, in, in Idaho or whether they're Latino artists in, in uh, Nebraska or North Carolina or South Carolina. We just do that kind of connecting with them. For example, um, in the spring of this year, we will be uh, having regional arts training workshops, two-day workshops in Athens, Georgia, and we'll be inviting uh, Latino artists from the entire uh, southern part of the United States. We'll be in Tucson, Arizona. We will be in uh, El Paso, Texas. We've been in the Bronx. We've been in Portland. We've been in all the major cities and small communities. Uh, we've traveled across the state of Nebraska with the Nebraska Arts Council to connecting with artists, immigrant artists uh, working in, in uh, working in the meatpacking plants, you know, who, who now, you know, have come out and, and are beginning to do festivals and things like that in their own community. So uh, we just empower the artists with a lot of information. Laura, what do you do when you're working on a project to spread the word so that as many people as possible know about it and can participate, attend, be a part of it, etc.? Right. Um, well, it's, it's a little different, I guess, for artists. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I think we depend a lot. We, uh, we collaborate a lot with the organizations that sponsoring us. For example, if we're if we're at a film festival, we really do hope that the nonprofit is um, has has their outreach um, plan uh, put together well enough to reach their community. Um, also. Uh, we, we, I depend a lot on my website. I, ha I do have a website where I always post information. I also post information on the funders for certain projects and links to them. I um, depend on my funders as well to have information about me and my projects on their website. Um, I try and talk to as many people as possible, um, get the hype up you know, about the project. 
Um, and um, I, I, you know, I think I think for a filmmaker and also for PBS, it's, it's, it's just getting the word out there and screening your film. I think after national um, a national screening, um, before national screening, you have to have your outreach plan and, and enough advertising and enough press out there to, to let people know what's going on. Or, or as a media artist, when we're at a gallery, um, like to, we like to um, you know, hopefully get interviews out there, press as many email blasts as we can from the gallery and from ourselves. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's a, you know, just different. I think it's a different mentality for artists. And, and we provide that opportunity through our electronic newsletter and through our website to the artists and the organizations. Uh, every day, you know, we get many, many emails about performances, about exhibits, about work, and, and we promote it very prominently on the website and, and, uh, and ask other organizations uh, to promote that in their areas as well. And uh, in our Leadership Institute that we convene every year, it's a week-long institute, um, we do uh, training also for for the participants on uh, marketing and, and marketing their work and, and uh, creating uh, more visibility for the work of organizations, for the work of artists. And, and we have experts who come in and, and provide that kind of training. And we do that also at our regional workshops. Uh, we've also in the past had a, a marketing uh, program where we selected specific op uh, organizations um, who worked with a professional to help uh, position uh, the work of the organizations in their community regionally, you know, and, and nationally as well. Is marketing an important part in the process? In other words, when you are developing a project, whether it's you, Laura, on the deciding what you're going to do and you Maria when you're working on the grant funding and on the leadership programs do you focus on your intended audience in on issues for example relating to if it's a Latino theme project level of acculturation of the audience are you trying to reach out to people for a project in Spanish or for a project in English, for a youth-related project or for an older audience, are you going to do outreach online and by digital means, viral marketing, or is this a more traditional sort of audience where you need to be reaching them through traditional media? Are these concepts that, that you go through um, in your mind, are these part of your project that you flesh out? For for us, it is. For us, it is, and, and we use a diverse uh, diverse methods of reaching out. Because we we realize that that uh, there are some people you know who who will not get an electronic email, an electronic message, and so we do mailings. We do we do a, we use a variety of methods, and yes, we always consider this. How we're gonna how we're gonna get the word out? How we're gonna market this? How we're gonna raise the visibility of a specific program? Um, it's always a part of the planning. Um, yeah, I, in in regards to I, I'm not sure I'm not really clear in in regards to how your question. I'm sorry. Yeah, I apologize. I'm, I'm not clear in, in regards to like designing my project or designing like an outreach plan. Or 
Well, both. For example, if you're working on a project like the one that you're working on now, it's specific to a particular audience, right? Because we have 300 million people in the United States. It's rare that a project can touch all of the different segments of the audience. Well, yeah, but you see, I disagree with that because, um, I'm, I mean, my, my documentaries, for example, they might be focused on the Latino community, the Chicano community, to be specific, but I think there's so many commonalities in that experience. For example, the documentary that I'm finishing right now about the legacy of war um, in the Chicano community, in the Chicano community, but yet all of America can, can, can relate to a loved one going off to war, maybe dying, or coming back with issues of post-traumatic stress disorder, um, the guilt issues. Um, it's, it's, it's our, our shared humanity, I believe, that, that, that connects us all. And although um, my, my audience very much is, um, for example, my new project for Raul Salinas is the Latino community, but it's also the literary community. It's also the arts community in the United States. It's also the activist community. Um, and, it's, and it's everybody who, who, who can connect through that shared humanity. And I, I do, I, I believe, I, I want the Latino community to see it, but I also want the general audience to see it as well because I know that they can appreciate the story. Um, if my films are bilingual, I make sure that they're translated. I also uh, try and have Spanish versions uh, available you know, with subtitles. And um, once again, I, I, you know, I, I try and focus on, on the Latino community like in regards to the story, but in regards to uh, in feeling the, 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 that everybody can connect, I really do believe that that's the case with all the Latino art as well. I, I agree with you, Laura, and, and that's why uh, uh, we also partner with other national art service organizations, mainstream organizations, uh, uh, because we want to provide uh, Latino artists and organizations additional opportunities to uh, to present their work, you know, to a, a, a larger national uh, uh, audience. So, so that is important, but. And, and we use various ways of, of, of getting the word out. How do you narrow your focus? I realize that the, the particular project may have brought appeal, but you're still going to have to reach out to a finite audience because the entire universe of the United States market or the world market is a very big market to pursue, and most budgets just can't do that. Even the very large-sized marketing budgets would be daunted with such a large audience. In your efforts to reach out to these audiences, do you look at, for example, reaching out online or through digital technology if it's a youth-oriented audience? Or if you're translating, for example, as you mentioned a moment ago, Laura, how do you let the Spanish-speaking audience know that the material is available to them in Spanish or in English, whichever is the case. Is that part of your process initially or even at the end, and, and how do you go about doing that? Well, um, I, 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 I don't think I can answer that. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 it, just, it, it just depends. It just depends. Um, as an independent artist, I, I really depend on my collaborators or the venue. 
and I think it's really up to them at that point how they how they work. I'm, of course, and I'm I'm very much connected to my computer and that that sort of um, outreach and, and work. So that's what I do. But I mean, at the same time, I, I for example, for PBS, we depend a lot on them for their outreach, and we want the PBS audience. Mm-hmm. So they know how to reach them. Uh, we also uh, PBS also does outreach within individual communities by having community screenings and discussions. And so at that point, they work with an organization that's based in the community. I know the Esperanza Center here in San Antonio does that quite a bit with um, documentaries that are going to be coming out and broadcast on PBS. They have them. Um, the, they have the Esperanza do a, a preview screening and a discussion. And so the Esperanza is very uh, knows, has has very very good audience development. So they know how to reach their audience. And and for the most part, uh, and then I think. Uh, that most organizations or, or artists uh, know that that of course we do have we do have a bilingual community and that there are some that are only English speakers and others that are you know uh, only Spanish speakers uh, and others that can do both. But I think that uh, for the part of Nalak, we're we're moving toward that. For example, our web page is in English uh, because uh, we just haven't. Uh, uh, completed the entire translation of the web page. But for the Knowledge Fund for the Arts, the NFA, we, we will accept uh, applications in English or Spanish because the panelists that we that we have, the peer panelists, can uh, 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 read in, 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 in both languages and interpret that. Uh, and at the Leadership Institute, we have had participants who are Spanish speakers only, and we provide that, that instruction in Spanish. Uh, as well as needed, but I think uh, we are constantly working on that and recognizing that uh, we do have a larger immigrant community. Many of them are Spanish-speaking only, so we do modify um, how we make our presentations. Uh, we're always o- we're always uh, open to doing them in English and Spanish as needed. What advice would you share with our listeners? who are interested in reaching Hispanics in the United States through entertainment, art in its various forms, music, theater, filmmaking, any form of art, what would you recommend to them if they are considering a project, if they're looking to make a decision about a market segment, or about a project and how appropriate it might be, what would you tell them to take into account? Sorry, I, I guess I, I I would say to uh, to really to I don't know. I mean, depending on where they're based, to really look around their community and and uh, reach out. To the nonprofit organizations, reach out to, to those organizations to then connect them with the artists and to and inform them of, of what artists in their community are doing. You know, to to look past the mainstream, to look past that, to look past just the major museums and the major, you know, and the opera and the symphony. To to look past that and really look in the community. And in most communities, there will be a Latino arts cultural organization, and I think that once they connect with that organization, that they will find just so many ways to, to uh, or 
comments? Did you have any comments? Well, um, I, you know, I, I, I'm not quite sure, but I, I mean, I do know as a consumer that I appreciate, um, I appreciate corporations that, that donate to cultural events and to uh, arts organizations rather than just trying to market us at the fiestas or, or you know, at the <laughs> on the radio trying to sell celebrities drinking, you know, um, a, a soda. It's it's it, it's more that you recognize that these people are involved in the community, and I think there's a sense of loyalty to them and recognizing that. I, I, I do know of a few corporations that have donated, to, for example, uh, to film festivals. They've donated the prizes um, where there's competitive categories. Um, a couple of corporations have given uh, the film festivals money to give the filmmakers. So, I, And for me, it, it makes me feel a lot different about those corporations afterwards, or at least feel a lot better about them thinking them they're just you know, they're really just out to make money from the community rather than giving back. Thank you, Maria and Laura, for joining us today from San Antonio, Texas. And to our audience, thank you for listening to Maria Lopez de Leon, who is Executive Director and Member of the Board of Directors of the National Association of Latino Arts and Culture, NALAC and Laura Varela, a San Antonio-based documentary filmmaker and media artist, brought to you by Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com, providing you essential information on America's largest minority. Please share your suggestions, questions, and ideas by leaving a comment on the HispanicMPR.com website. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at hispanicmpr.com. That's editor at hispanicmpr.com. For more information on how to reach Hispanics with marketing and public relations tools, visit our resources section at www.hispanicmpr.com. That's www.hispanicmpr.com.